Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we're continuing our study through the book of James, and we've come to an interesting verse in the book of James, chapter number 5, verse number 12, because there is some disagreement uh, among expositors and Bible scholars and uh, various um, interpreters is goes like this. Does verse 12 belong with verses 7 through 11? Does it belong with verses 13 through 18? Which pericope is it a part of? Or is it something that James just threw in there to be considered in view of itself? Um, personally, I go with the last option. I think that James, obviously, he deals with several themes throughout the book of James. Um, really, the idea of Christian living in an unchristian world to be genuinely a person of faith, a truly saved person, what that looks like. And then he talks about trials and the tongue and kind of all these things that we should do, should not do. It's a very practical book. And I think along those lines, uh, similarly to the book of Proverbs, um, and I, I agree with R.C. Sproul, I think James is the New Testament Proverbs. It's a very Jewishness about the book um, and the way how he talks about uh, random themes. Not random, that's a bad word, but various themes. He talks about A, goes on to B, then comes back to A, etc., using that, that old Jewish rabbinical method of the string of pearls in his teaching. So I, I, I tend to treat verse 12 in and of itself. Um, but either way, I think we can look at verse 12 and gather an important um, lesson for believers. And that lesson is this, integrity. Integrity. So I want to do something. I, I just want to read the verse and then give you some, some illustrations and talk about it for a moment. James chapter 5, verse 12, he says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. I want to teach on the idea of integrity. In his book, Lessons from a Father to His Son, Senator John Ashcroft writes that until 1997, Michael Jordan, indisputably the leading player in the NBA for over a decade, was never the highest paid player. When asked why he did not do what so many other players do, which is hold out on their contracts until they get more money, Michael replied, I have always honored my word. I went for security, I had six-year contracts, and I always honored them. People said I was underpaid, but when I signed on the dotted line, I gave my word. Three years later, after several highly visible players reneged on their contracts, a reporter asked Michael once again about being underpaid. And he explained that if his kids saw their dad breaking a promise, how could he continue training them to keep their word? By not asking for a contract renegotiation, Michael Jordan spoke volumes to his children. He told them, you stand by your word even when that might go against you. 
And Ashcroft leaves with this, that his silence became a roar. He was a man of integrity. He kept his word. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. Now, as Christians, we above all other groups ought to mean what we say and say what we mean. We ought to be people of great and deep integrity. When we say something, it ought to be as good as a written and notarized contract. Unfortunately, we live in a world where lies and deceptions are the norm. People break deals all the time. One infamous example is Hitler's breaking of the Treaty of Versailles that was signed after World War I. He promised, uh, or it was in the treaty rather, that Germany's military would uh, only be defensive, kind of like a police force, um, and that they wouldn't invade other countries, et cetera, et cetera. But as soon as Hitler came to power, he immediately began to work on an offensive military to develop weapons and materials and means to go on the offense. And secondly, he invaded Poland, and he violated the treaty in several other ways. Now, the same thing happens today all the time. I mean, we, we are continuous, excuse me, constantly lied to by the media, our own government, and the talking heads of the UN, and the list goes on. However, in all of this, if anyone is telling the truth and living by that truth, it ought to be those who claim to know the truth, Jesus Christ, that is Christians. Integrity is our subject today. Now, when I say integrity, I don't just mean honesty, but I do mean honesty. But I don't just mean honesty. Integrity is not simply uh, uh, being honest, though that's part of it. It's also being faithful, not only telling the truth, but standing by what you say and being reliable, being truthful. All those things wrapped up constitute integrity. So in order to make this palatable and understandable, I suggest that Integrity consists of two things, honesty and fidelity. Honesty and fidelity. By fidelity, of course, I mean being, being faithful. In other words, telling the truth and honoring your word. When you put those things together, they constitute the greater idea of integrity. Now, the first thing I want you to notice, and it's just by point of, uh, I just think it's interesting, is that James is borrowing theology from his brother, Jesus Christ. Remember, they had the same mom, uh, different dad. Um, but James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is the author of the letter of James, he is quoting from his brother Jesus almost to the T. He states, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. A, sim a similar sentiment was made by the Lord in Matthew 5, 34, 37, in which Jesus said, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's footstool, or excuse me, throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And Jesus, of course, also warned against swearing to the Pharisees in Matthew 23 when he pronounced his woes upon them. 
And so I, I, I simply just want you to see that the connection between the theology of James and the theology of Jesus, or we should proper better say the doctrine of James and the doctrine of Jesus, that, that they are in unison, that their theology is synonymous. Okay, and so I just wanted to mention that uh, for the sake of biblical literacy and showing you how the Bible connects. Now, what does it play in this verse? Well, honesty and fidelity. Let's start with honesty. We have to draw from this verse that we should be honest. We, we should say what we mean and mean what we say. Our yes should be yes and vice versa. So among what all this verse might imply, it has to at least mean that we should tell the truth. Because if you say yes and you really mean no, then that would be a lie. Vice versa, if you say no and you really meant yes, that would be a lie. Or if you swore to something and did not follow through with it, then it, even though it may be unintentional, technically speaking, it would be a form of lying, a form of dishonesty. And so it has to at least mean that we must be honest. Now, up until this point, James has spent a good amount of time on speech, hasn't he? I mean, he talked about the danger of the tongue. He talked about evil speech against a brother. And so he keeps with this warning even here in the last chapter. We are to be honest with our tongue because every lie is of the devil. And you say, Pastor, I don't know. What about a little white lie? No such thing. Will you say that's your opinion? No, sir, no, ma'am. That would be the opinion of Jesus Christ. Let me prove it to you. Jesus, in the book of John, I believe it was, if I've got my notes here correctly, in the book of John, he said to the Pharisees, yeah, it was John, I'm sorry. He said to the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So lying is literally from the devil. There's no such thing as a little white lie, okay? All lying is from the enemy. This should not surprise us because when we go all the way back to Genesis, the first thing we find the devil doing is lying. He goes to Eve and said, you won't really die. God, did God really say that? Implying uh, that God was being dishonest, and we know that's not the case. So the devil, he was the first liar he is the father of lies, and therefore uh, a Christian should be in the opposite way. He should be honest. That is part of having integrity is being honest. Now, we go further. If you need further evidence of how important honesty is to God, then consider Exodus 20.16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We have summarized that when we list the Ten Commandments in this way. Uh, thou shalt not lie. And so we see that either way you go, lying is hated, lying is despised by God. And I believe at least one of the reasons is simply this, because it is in direct contrast to the character of God. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And so a lie is the exact opposite of the truth. And since Jesus is the truth, then lying, the act of it or the lie itself, is in direct contrast to the character of God incarnate. It's just a little white lie. No such thing, sir. No such thing, ma'am. God hates lying. Lying is of the devil. And so integrity, in, in one part, is based in honesty, telling the truth. I mean, does the Bible not say in Revelation 19, 11, that Jesus, being the one who sits on the horse, that he was called faithful and true? And what are the two points of integrity? Honesty and fidelity or truthfulness and faithfulness. And so to be a man or woman of integrity as a Christian is to be Christ-like. For Christ always told the truth and Christ always followed through with what he said. Christ was uh, filled with both honesty and and fidelity, therefore you could rightly say that Christ is the ultimate example of true integrity, which I believe is what James is driving at. So not only the matter of honesty when we consider integrity, but the matter of fidelity. Now when I speak of fidelity, I'm speaking of being faithful to someone or something. In this instance, James is saying to be faithful to our word. He said, well, when you say yes, you should mean yes. You ought to do what you say and say what you do. Now, even still, it's connected to the idea of honesty because even if it's unintentional, if you don't do what you said you'd do, technically speaking, you were not faithful to your word. You, you lied. Now, let me give you an illustration. 30 years ago, Ron England made a bet with his brother that he could collect 1 million pennies. Now, Ron has saved 3.6 tons of copper in his garage. He is having a hard time cashing his $10,000 fortune. England says that neither the U.S. Mint or the U.S. Comptroller of Currency, coin collectors, and not even his local bank are interested in cashing the pennies at least not without charging him a fee to perform the cash-in job. England says, I've been working seriously for the past two weeks to get rid of these pennies. It's kind of frustrating. Nobody will take them without charging me. To make matters worse, England's brother, Russ, says he doesn't remember the promise to give his brother a meal in Paris if he successfully raised one million pennies. And so Russ had a bet, you see, with his brother that if, you know, if he raised this many pennies, that his brother would have to take him to Paris and buy him dinner. His brother says, I don't know what you're talking about. And so we see his brother lacked integrity to follow through with his word. For the sake of application, let, let's consider a practical way we keep our word. Right, we should be faithful, practice fidelity. Well, what about marriage? There, there was a time 
when in marriage, when in the marriage vow, it said, till death do us part, and that was considered concrete. Nowadays, and I can attest to this because I've performed many weddings, most weddings, they, they don't even say that part anymore. It's been taken out of the vows. We, we live in a day where it's easier to get, in, get out of a marriage than it is to get in one. And when people don't keep their marriage vows, it brings damage, heartbreak, destruction, betrayal because someone's not faithful to their word. In conclusion, the point is this. We, we shouldn't have to swear. That, that's James' whole point uh, is that you shouldn't have to swear because your word ought to be as good as a contract because you ought to have such a reputation of integrity that people can take your word to the bank as it were. And so integrity consists of two parts. Honesty, telling the truth, but also fidelity, being faithful to your word. When you put those together, you have integrity. And and, and despite how we could try to go back and decide how this verse fits in with the surrounding verse, forget all that for a moment. And we can at least say this. The ma- I love what Alistair Begg always says about the Bible. The main things are the plain things. If something's not plain, then it must not be part of the main. Okay? The main thing here is the plain thing, and that's this. You ought to have integrity as a Christian. You ought to tell the truth, and you ought to be faithful to what you say. And the evidence of that is that you should never have to swear by anything because people already know that your yes means yes, your no means no, and your word is as good as a contract. These twin truths of fidelity and honesty, they they connect into integrity. Therefore, we can assume or conclude, I should say, that if Jesus was and is a man of integrity, ought we not to be people of integrity as well? Integrity consists of honesty and fidelity. And I hope you keep studying the book of James, and next time we will deal with verses 13 through 18, Lord willing. God bless you. And always remember, practice integrity as a Christian.